Hey, hey, welcome to episode two of season two of Across College Lacrosse. My name is Chris Dostremski. You can follow me on Twitter at CF Dostremski. You can follow College Cross on Twitter at college underscore cross. Instagram as well, like us on Facebook, do the whole shebang. On this episode, recap the week, preview the weekend, and in between, we have a special guest, Cleveland State Fogo, Danny Tesler, discussing a bunch of things regarding you know, the season so far, the Vikings, why he picked Cleveland State, the whole experience there, why he likes country music more than rap, but more importantly, why he changed his number this year from number 5 to number 82. That will be in a little bit, but first, just a little recap of what happened uh, this past week. Uh, and it was a lot. Not as much as what we saw at the begin at uh, two weeks ago, but there were some notable upsets. Yale going down to Nova. Drexel beating Michigan double overtime on Tuesday. Uh, the day before a Monday, High Point continues their dominance beating Virginia 14-13. They are 2-0 in the ACC. Might as well give the ACC auto bid to High Point or just put them in the ACC. They almost lost to that same Drexel team who did beat Michigan, as I mentioned, in double overtime. On Saturday, they had to win in overtime. So maybe Drexel could be providing some kind of an upset this week against Albany. We'll find out. Uh, Cuse beating Albany was kind of big. I didn't really think... I actually thought Albany was going to win, but now watching the game again, and it doesn't look like... It seems to me that Albany is kind of a team that's going to be mainly dependent on what the Hoka Nandekoke does. He seemed to be like the, the, the star guy. Nick Mellon did a great job shutting down Jacob Patterson, who I really loved for the past two years, and he just had a really bad game. I think just an assist, and that was it. Nandekoke had... Two goals and an assist, if I'm correct on that. Uh, but, you know, I think he was doing a little too much, to say the least. Tyson Bomberry did a great job along with even Marcus Cunningham off-ball. Uh, they have a, Syracuse is a tough task. On Sunday, they play Army, West Point, who beat Rutgers on the road, and that's a tough thing to do. Army's got a young team. They also beat Maris 10-4. Very military score for a military school. It was pretty low to start. I think it was like 5-3 or 3-2 at one point. Um, but Army found a way and they kind of started to score a little bit more. But against Marist, could have maybe they, they were a little bit tired from Saturday. Maybe they were just resting a little bit more for Sunday for Cuse, whatever. At least they weren't a team like, as I mentioned, Mar Michigan, who I thought, who I had ranked over Villanova. We'll get to that too. And lost to Drexel. Other results that I kind of big on Saturday, including Georgetown beating Robert Morris in a, in a good tussle between two teams that I thought evenly talented. 14-11 to Georgetown with the win. Hofstra beating Utah 14-10. to A little bit surprising considering Utah is a first-year program and uh, Hofstra isn't. Princeton dominating Monmouth 23-7. Maryland didn't look good even on Tuesday when they played Colgate to start and even to finish. Barely beat Penn 13-12 in overtime. They have Navy, who has looked good so far this season, who beat UMBC on Friday 11-6. So they'll have an extra day off, and Maryland has like four days in between their Colgate win and 
the Navy game. Penn State continues to dominate, 17-4 win over Stony Brook. Hobart, surprising team to watch, especially on offense. I know they play Canisius and Siena, 22-12, setting records by Jason Knox, nine goals in a game. Matthew Pettisini with 32 faceoff wins. I believe that is a Division One record. Other notable scores, Towson beating Mount St. Mary's, Virginia just edging Leigh's, and that's been the whole, it's been a rocky ship for the Mountain Hawks in the past week. Uh, but the big two, I'd say, Villanova beating Yale, previously ranked number one, 11-10 in overtime, wasn't really high on, on Villanova to start the season, and then the loss to Penn State kind of took a hit, but... They, got a, they did a great job bouncing back against the defending national champions. Same thing that happened last year with the Bulldogs. They lost their first game of the season to that Villanova team. They were fine. It's an Ivy League team. Maybe give them a little bit of some more leeway. And then also uh, Loyola crushing hop. Well, not crushing. Scoreboard said 18-12 in favor of Loyola. But I, it was a pretty dominant effort by Pat Spencer, Chase Scanlon, Kevin Lindley, and the Greyhounds to beat the Blue Jays at Homewood Field. And they were a reason why I picked them as my number one team over uh, Penn State. But Penn State looked really good too. And the number four team on my top 20 for this week, Cornell, they play Friday, I believe afternoon. Friday, yeah, afternoon. Twilight, I guess, 5 o'clock against Hobart at Hobart. Could be an interesting one to watch. Could be a high-scoring game. See how Hobart is with a good team like Cornell instead of Siena and Canisius. This will be your first time we see Tim Graham possibly at the face-off X, the Aussie, Jeff Teat, Doe, uh, Donville, a few other guys, Clark Peterson. They have some high expectations and definitely now higher with Yale getting TD Ireland. And maybe that could be an Ivy League championship preview again. Yale, Cornell, at Columbia. We'll wait and see. Don't want to get too ahead on this because we have a lengthy interview with Cleveland State's Danny Tesler Jr. from a little bit outside of Georgia. Uh, one of the better face-off men in the country. Not a lot of discussion about him because he plays at Cleveland State, not a big school like Towson. They don't even have conference. Just their third year, but he has definitely been one of the brighter spots for the the Vikings, even though there's been a few bright spots, they just beat Bellarmine kind of well on Saturday. They are going out to play Denver and Air Force this weekend in the Pioneer Faceoff Classic. They actually played Ohio State and Michigan pretty well in their first two games. They were both losses, but very big signs of improvement from Dylan Sheridan's crew, who has been on the college crosscast twice before. So, I think Cleveland State's now officially the most college cross podcast friendly team to us just because we've had three different uh interviews with players or coaches and i believe uh outside of the the uh championship weekend coverage this is our first player interview on a college cross podcast and luckily it's mine uh big thing here is why i'm doing interviews now i want to at least break apart me talking and also deliver stories. And I think there are plenty of stories in the world of college across that people just don't know about. People didn't know about Danny Tesla. And people didn't really 
want to explore why Danny changed his number or even he changed his number. There are a lot of these stories and there's a lot of them to be told. We need, I think, to humanize the college lacrosse player as well as give them the right coverage that they have. And we start off with a guy who is paying tribute to one of his great friends who passed away last November in November who played on Vanderbilt's football team as a tight end. They were both teammates at their high school, played football and lacrosse, and just a tough loss for Danny and everyone who knew Turner Cockrell, the tight end from Vanderbilt. So we'll get started with that interview with Danny Tesler. Junior Fogo from Cleveland State. Joining me right now from the great state of Ohio in Cleveland, Junior Fogo from the Vikings, Danny Tesler. And Danny, great to have you on. And right now with your team, you're one and two, just fresh off a win over Bellarmine. And you guys have looked really good against Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, thoughts on the season so far? I mean, uh, guys have just been buzzing, uh, playing pretty hard couple miscues to where you know I wanted to could be two and one or three and oh so I mean we're playing real hard guys are having fun so it's really blast were you guys expecting to come out with those results against Ohio State and Michigan to co- compare to those the past two years where you guys kind of you know weren't you were competitive but the scoreboard didn't really show it oh well absolutely I um, you know coming out in both against Ohio State and Michigan, we were confident, and you know, because for the three years I've been here, I've seen this team grow to what it is now, and we can still be growing a lot, a lot more. So, I mean, I thought that I was, we were all pretty disappointed in the results from Ohio State and Michigan because a couple of things could change either way, and we could have been victorious in either one of those. So, no surprise at all, but definitely, definitely excited to see what the rest of the season comes to. You've had three games under your belt. You've had uh, spring scrimmages. You have the fall. Uh, just your thoughts right now on how the shot clock has affected first the entire team. Um, I think shot clock has really sped a lot of people up, and like it's supposed to do. Uh, no more holding the ball. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I think it allows it rewards the defense much uh, more for uh, playing good defense rather than just you know sitting on the defense end for two minutes. But now it's only a uh, minute 20 so I'm a big fan of the shot clock and I do think you know it'll get people up and going I think people that haven't seen the game too see how fast this game could really be with the shot clock uh, going up and down and uh, yeah and then with with uh, you as a face-off fan has it do you think first off how has it changed if anything your game and trying to push some offense or at least stand on defense um off the face-off I used to you know, you could have time to sub off after you win or lose. So, you know, people are really either trying to get the guys on or get them off. So, uh, after a face-off win, sometimes it's very crucial to whether you want the face-off guy to stay out there with the other face-off guy or when you come off, like get your offensive guys on or defensive guys on. So, there's a lot of mind game going in between that and a lot of strategy. So, you got to pick and choose your battles. So, I, I personally, I love staying on after the face-off. I would love to just get a run at offense, create some offense, hopefully uh, contribute to a goal, but, you know, you got to get your offensive guys on because you only got a minute 20, so I understand coming off the field, that's what I got to do. As a Fogo yourself, do you feel like the shot clock effects have kind of diminished the importance of a face-off? Granted, 
just mainly because teams are going to be getting the ball and you could be you could be dominated on the faceoff x but still win the game. Do you feel like that might be a, an effect of the of the uh, shot clock with with the faceoffs? I think that I actually think well with the shot clock I think you have more faceoffs, more goals, more people shooting. Um I mean it rewards good defense, like I said, but I don't think it diminishes anything away from the face-off. I think face-offs are a momentum uh, builder, and you start winning face-offs, especially if your offense is buzzing. I mean, if you keep getting on the ball, more goals will fall, and that also boosts the morale of the team, too. you got your sideline buzzing. you got defense over there. When they get on the field, they're ready. To, they're chomping at the bit. So I think with, with the face-off, it's momentum, but also – really can put it, bring your team back from a couple goals down or keep your team up a couple goals. So I don't think it diminishes anything away from the face-off. We'll change gears for, you know, for a, a little bit. Uh, your number this year was from number five for the past two years to number 82. Now, I've I've, I've, yes, I've learned about it. I want you to explain, you know, why you went through, why you changed your number for, uh, this season. Uh, my best friend, Turner Cockrell, back at home, he played uh, football. He got a scholarship to play football at uh, Vanderbilt University. He was a tight end there, uh, and he wore the number 82. And recently, the last, last couple, two years, I mean, recently in November, he passed away due to a rare case of uh, melanoma. Uh, he's been fighting cancer for close to a year and a half to two years, and he passed away uh, 2018 in November. So uh, me and my buddies, uh, like, well, we're really good friends with him. So my, one of my good friends, Brandon, he plays at the Citadel. He wore uh, – 82 uh, for one game, and then two of my other friends, Brooks Gillum and Mike Johnson, played club lacrosse at UGA and Kennesaw State. Uh, both changed their number to honor him, you know, make sure that he's never forgotten. And absolutely everything I do is in honor of him and just play through him. So I know he's up there watching right now, so I hope I make him proud. It's a fantastic tribute. Now, what, what, what would you, how would you describe Turner to people that didn't know him? Turner is a goofball, I'll tell you that. <laughs> He's a six foot six goof, ball goof and uh I mean I'm he's the funniest kid you ever meet. He's the most laid back kid you ever meet. Nothing really ever bothers him when adversity comes because I played football and lacrosse with him from sixth grade to senior high school and that man never got phased by anything. Uh he's a he's a caring dude. He looked out for us. I mean I'm a five foot five guy, so you could everyone would always ask if he's my older brother, so I mean, he kind of was, he was like that old, older brother, but I mean, me and all my friends we were uh, as close as they could be. And for him, you know, to be gone, it's really took a hit on a lot of people back home. So, I mean, Turner's just a guy you don't want to be without. He's, he's the guy that you always want when you're around. You always want to hang out with him. And uh, it's just upsetting to know that, you know, he won't be around anymore, but we know he's looking down on us. So you two played lacrosse from sixth grade to high school, as you just mentioned. What position was he on the field? Um, he was a midfielder, but then uh, – so junior high school, it was in the semifinals of – I think we were in the semifinals or quarterfinals of the playoffs, and coach just moved him to a deep hole where he locked up some All-American or preseason All-American. I don't know what it was. And that's what he was. And then he was going to play senior year, but he actually broke his ankle going into uh, the lacrosse season right from football. So he didn't play senior year, but he was majority a midfielder, but I think he liked playing deep hole too. How was, how was uh, the chemistry between you two, and how did he make you a better athlete overall, just on even on the lacrosse and football fields? Yeah, Turner was 
Um, even though, you know, six foot six, you'd be surprised how quick and fast he was. You know, he's always pushing you. So football workouts, he's out there right next to you. We're doing conditioning, pushing you to be your best. He's got those long strides. So it's hard for me to keep up. But, you know, he's always a vocal leader too. I mean, not the biggest, but he, when he'd come around his best friends, he he was pushing you. So for me to be around him, him in both lacrosse and football, uh, you know, he wanted me to be the best athlete I could be, and I tried to do the same for him. And then how was he, you know, an influence on you as a person overall and with you and your buddies back home? Me and my buddies, yeah, me and my buddies would not be the same people we are without him. He's shown us what, you know, going through this whole ordeal of cancer, that man never had a frown on his face. That man never talked about it. That man was always wanting to hang out with us, wanted to do the same old stuff that he's done. He's really showed us the meaning of life now. You got to take the little things for granted. Um you can't take them for granted. I mean, and so, you know, the opportunities we got to hang out with him. And obviously the last time we did get to see him, there was not one frown on his face. He's still smiling, he's laughing around, uh, having a good time. So he never wanted anyone to feel what he was going through because he wanted everyone to be happy. And that's the type of person he was. He didn't care about, he was not a selfish person. He didn't care about like his, his feelings or what he was thinking. He was just caring about everybody else. So, I mean, he's the most selfish person I know. The the outpouring of support when when it happened in November from Vanderbilt and obviously you mentioned Citadel mm-hmm. was big. Um, wh- mm-hmm. How was the uh, support for you guys for 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 your teammates at Cleveland State when this happened? Well, um, I heard I heard about the news and um, my mom called me, so immediately she actually called Coach Sheridan, and he immediately you know obviously expressed his his sorrow for uh, me and obviously the Cockrell family, but. He gave me the time off that I needed and anything that I did need. Um, you know, the teammate over here, all the team uh, teammates on, at Cleveland, you know, really picked me up uh, whenever I was feeling down. But, you know, they've been right next to me the whole time, especially my roommates and, you know, you know understanding that, like, you know, sometimes they're harder than others. And, you know, I got to go home a little earlier than others did. Um, and I'm really grateful that Coach Sheridan allowed me to, you know, get the time off that I needed to be able to, you know, cope with this. But... Um, yeah, the team's been great. You know, always, always rooting on 82. You know, it's not rooting on me. They're rooting on Turner. So when I wear that number, I wear it through him. So you're wearing it this year. Are you? Are do we? Are we? Should we expect you to wear it next year as well, just to keep that going? Uh, yes, sir. I would. If Coach Sherry would allow, I would love to wear it for next year. So love it, love it. So going back to Cleveland State, I know you're a junior, th- third year there, third year of the team. When you were being recruited, why did you pick Cleveland State? Um, so I heard about Cleveland State in one of my, like, last tournaments uh, for, like, a uh, club. And uh, I gave Coach Sheridan a call. And, like, his, uh, his passion for the game over the phone call just really got me excited to come on a visit up here in Cleveland. And right when me and my dad came up here, I knew this was the place, like, I really wanted to go to. I mean, you have an enthusiastic coaching staff, like – I think second to none in all of college across uh, coming up here in Cleveland. I mean, looking around, you're different from where I am from. So knowing that I'm going to be in a city, a lot of things to do. And then also being able to start a program just really, you know, it felt like, felt like that's what I needed to do. And that's what I really wanted to do and being able to play against the best uh, in all of lacrosse is just what sold me here being in this, uh, community of Cleveland, being a part of a first-year team where uh, we could build it from 
start to whatever it will be. And then obviously, you know, being, being away from home is a little bit difficult. But, I mean, Cleveland's awesome. How many times since you've been at Cleveland State have you done the LeBron James yelling, Cleveland? <laughs> How many times did that happen um, for you? I wouldn't say I'm the best at it. I've done it a couple times, but uh, actually one of our, our former teammates, uh, Priest Williams, who graduated last year, he was two years, uh, we spent two years at Cleveland State. He would do that all the time, and he was real good at it. It was the funniest thing ever. He would do it the most random times, especially when we score a goal. Sometimes I loved it to hear him. So you mentioned that you wanted it, you were just starting up a program at Cleveland State, and I was at Utah a couple weeks ago, and Coach Brian Holman mentioned, you know, these guys, if you want to come to Utah, you're going to be creating a culture, not and being a part of it, mm-hmm. but also mainly creating it. Was that kind of like a little little extra that you wanted that interested you and you were going to be creating something instead of, you know, just, just being a part of it? Absolutely. You know, being able to create something from the start, knowing that your class will be the, the ones people talk about, be the one that, yeah, this is because of this class. Uh, you know, Coach Sherry talks about creating their own culture all the time, playing Viking lacrosse, doing things outside of the lacrosse field that, you know, characterizes how our lacrosse team is. Um, he talks about it all the time, and we really buy into that. And, you know, coming here to that, I mean, I knew that was going to be part of it. I didn't think so much about it until I actually got him here and, you know, heard Coach Sherry talk about, you know, creating your own culture. And I'm, all the guys really bought into it, even the freshmen right now, just buying into creating their own culture because, I mean, so we're only third year of existence, so I mean we have a culture, and it's definitely going to stick. But you know, keeping that, keeping that culture, um, evolution, um, you know, going up or stuff like that, just uh, is really important to us. So this is mainly, you know, a a young, t- kind of like mainly juniors and sophomores. So when I, I kind of when I was at Utah, kind of compared it to like the Lord of the Flies where like it was just all these kids and they were just ruling amongst each other besides the chaos that happened at the end. Um, you had, a, as you mentioned, you had Paris Williams last year who was the lone senior in the team. I think that was the first senior that went through senior day, all of that. What did yes, he sir. kind of add to this team as in terms of leadership? Um, you know, he, he went through uh, college across for two years over at Howard, uh, Howard Community College. I think that's what it was. Um, and he also, you know, showed us the light of how like how college is supposed to be. You know, you have what forty something freshmen coming into college with no no upperclassmen to show them the way of how Cleveland really works. And you know, he really showed us like you know how to act, how to how to practice to become something better when on the field. And you know, his energy really did boost the uh, boost all of us up through the first two years of the program. And he really could show it. And I know Coach Sharon could talk about his energy on and off the field. So. So what's special this year about year three of Cleveland State Lacrosse? Um, just the guys that, you know, that we have right now and the guys that are, you know, coming in, even through the, the classes of uh, 2021 that are going to come up, I think, uh, or 2020 next year, 2019 next year, and then 2020. I think, you know, we have a great group of guys that are honestly something special that, we could do stuff that, you know, not a lot of people would expect, but we don't care about what other people would expect. We just care about what we know what we could do. And Coach Sharon talks about that all the time. It's just who cares about what other people think out there. Just do what you could do. And I think through these first three games, I wouldn't say we surprised ourselves, but I do think we surprised some other people about how we're playing. And we're looking to keep surprising people and keep uh, keep playing the best we can. 
And then what's special about, you know, the city of Cleveland being there for three years? What do you like about it, I should say? I love the atmosphere, especially when a sporting event's going on here. So, like, I was fortunate enough my freshman year uh, to be part of Game 7, the World Series uh, against the Cubs. And we went down to the watch party out there because they had a big watch party right outside the uh, uh, Cleveland Indian Stadium. And just the atmosphere that the Cleveland fans have. I mean, obviously the game didn't work out right there, but – I mean, just for the first, like, few innings, you got to see how, how like, special the sports are to Cleveland. And also just, like, you know, walking around, you don't really even realize that you're in the city. But when you're driving in, say you go out, like when I come from the airport back in here, you drive in sometimes at night. It's just really special and really cool to see, like, the lights flashing on Tower City. Uh, Terminal Tower, I'm sorry. And then all this stuff. I think Cleveland's awesome. It's definitely one of my favorite places to be. Now, I know Coach Sheridan pretty well. He's been on our little podcast for the past few years, and he's a great guy, and obviously he's a great coach. Uh, something that people might not know about Coach Sheridan. What can you tell us? Coach Sheridan jokes a lot. Is he a good joker? <laughs> he actually, yeah, he's a good joker. Sometimes you can't tell if he's joking, but other times, like, I, like he's got actually good impressions of uh, the movie Tommy Boy. Uh, that's one. Of the, that's one of the my favorite things is he'll reenact the one of the scenes from Tommy Boy. And I just I lose it every single time. But he's a real he's he's got a great sense of humor. Humor. Do you think you could be an actor someday? Possibly. <laughs> Maybe part time actor. At it. Yeah, part time definitely. So. I kind of mentioned this already a little bit, but the best moment you've had on campus, and it doesn't have to be regarding lacrosse. It could be just whatever. You've been, you've had a lot of two and a half years going into three now at Cleveland State, and you're a captain there. So what's been like your like favorite moment while you've been on the Cleveland State campus? I, I think my favorite moment has got to be first game, Cleveland State against Michigan, walking in, seeing a packed, packed bubble, you know, all the support that we got from the school, from families. It was uh, really cool to see. All right, so I'm going to go through a th- few more questions, not about Cleveland, well, maybe not about Cleveland State, but uh, some of the, the, quote, viewer, listener questions. Uh, from your good buddy, Luke Saad, Danny, <laughs> how fired up are you to face off against your good friend, Luke Saad, and the Mercer Bears in two weeks? No, I'm, I'm so pumped up. It's I can't wait to go back to the home state. Uh, all my friends and families family will be down there so uh you know being able to play in georgia again is definitely something really cool and i can't wait to play and also facing off against luke we've been doing it all winter break all summer so i guess it's this time it means something so i'm looking forward to it bragging rights on the on the line are you i'm guessing you guys played club with each other uh he was a year younger than me but we played for the same club yeah okay uh we also have mentor high lacrosse which is I think a team, not a person, but either way. Danny, what made you decide to become a FOGO? Um, I would say my goal wasn't necessarily to be a FOGO. Obviously, I love playing the game of lacrosse, playing defense, offense, everything about it. Um, I really specialized in the position when I started getting looks at the face-off position. I wouldn't say that anyone should really specialize in FOGO ever. I mean, obviously, you know, create your craft and get better at your craft become the best face-off guy you can be. But also, in terms of that, coaches aren't just looking for somebody who can win a face-off but can't throw and catch. You know, you got to keep practicing the other skills, catching, throwing, shooting, because all those things matter. 
I mean, you're a face-up guy, but you still got to throw and catch, scoop up a ground ball, all that. So I wouldn't say I specialize in just being a FOGO, but I would specialize in being a face-off around the time of my sophomore, junior year of high school. And then do you have any training recommendations for aspiring FOGOs that are still in high school? I would say always one training thing is always go against someone better than you. I think that's what really helped me. Um, I'll call, I'll shout out one of the, one of my friends, Justin Evans. He's about a couple years older than me. Um, Hunter Forbes also. He's just graduated from Jacksonville. You know, always going to get some kid older than you, better than you. You know, to perf- to perfect your craft and also you know get you better because you're not going to get better against some kid that you're beating all the time. You got to get your you got to get beat to be able to get better. So I think going against kids that are definitely better than you or definitely older than you. I wouldn't say better than you. Go against older, get stronger kids. You know, get you better. That's what I would recommend. So I'm going to also quote here from the legend 2 Chains. You are, or actually the paraphrase, you're from the corner of the ATL. You're like 43 minutes away in Ackworth, Georgia. Yeah. That's what it lists. But shout out 2 Chains. Um, <laughs> what's something about, you know, the ATL that, you like the most and if you want to comment on the lacrosse there because i know guys like nate and nikki solomon are from marietta mm-hmm. or alpharetta there's a bunch of other dudes there you got mercer there uh first the city what do you like most about the atl the city's huge i mean there's a lot of things to do down in the city uh you know you go in there there's not one thing you can say i don't know what to do uh, I, going to the city i haven't been too much i usually stay around um usually i'll go there for a couple games or so but um, where I live, outskirts of a little bit of Atlanta, just the competitiveness of all the sports, you know, and there's not one sport there that we say, like, you know, Cobb County is not the best in in Georgia. Uh, but, you know, even the lacrosse aspect, you see the game of lacrosse growing in the south, and especially in Cobb County with, like, club programs like LB3 and Thunder, you know, all those other programs just building the the skill of these players. And you see it through high school lacrosse, how the competitiveness is – getting way better and it's probably way better than when I was there because my little brother's in there and I see some games uh, and just say, wow, these kids have actually gotten like way better than when we were there. So, I mean, I think it's so cool that, you know, the dedication to sports of Atlanta and, you know, outskirts of Atlanta is just awesome through football, lacrosse, soccer, baseball, basketball, all those sports, bad buddies playing all of them. And you just see how, how incredibly talented these kids are and how dedicated the community is to these sports. So, a lot of people, I'm guessing, like music. And if you don't like music, then there's probably a problem with you. <laughs> um, Atlanta's pretty well known for music, pretty mm-hmm. much for rap. Uh, yes. There are some rappers that are from the ATL and some that say they're from the ATL, but they're being detained by ICE right now, and that's a whole different situation. <laughs> um, yeah. I need you. I need your top five rappers from the ATL. I'm a country guy. Are but, you kidding? Uh, Ooh. I am a I am a country guy. Wow. Well, then in I that know. case, what do you like about the country, or what do you like about I just, country? I, I think it's just good vibe music. I mean, I, I yeah, I listen to rap. I like rap, especially before a game. You can't listen to country before a game. But uh, I mean, country music is just it's just good feel music all the time. Like you always put a smile on your face. I think, and also it's just chill around a bonfire, listen to some country music. It's also one of the guilty pleasure I'd say I have just chilling around a bonfire with some guys around there and just, you know, listening to some music. A few other things around too that maybe we should have discussed, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> um, so I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, you're not a rap guy and, you know, you didn't get 
kind of like I listen to a little bit of rap. So it's my roommates here. They always listen to rap. So are I'm you a Twenty One Savage guy? Uh, I wouldn't say the biggest Twenty One Savage guy. No. So you kind of didn't really get like affected by when he got arrested by ICE, then? Kind of like really, hurt no. by. Oh, wow, dude. I don't even know what's going. I don't even know what's going on there. So. Wow. What he's from England? Okay, I think like ICE detained apparently his visa's up for like twelve years and. He got oh, detained, goodness. and he's not fighting about it, so. Would never have got understood that or heard uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, so, going to go off from there with the music stuff. What's kind of like three songs that you kind of listen to, whether it's during practice, during warm-ups, during, you know, mm. your pregame in the locker room, post-game celebration, whatever. What's kind of three oh. songs that you kind of relate to with lacrosse? Okay, post-game celebration, Sweet Caroline. Ooh. That's what we do after a game. We always listen to Sweet Caroline after a win, celebrate. Um, I would say, like, lacrosse, though, during games, I mean, hmm, there's a lot that we play. We play music throughout practice, so I wouldn't say there's two particular songs, but uh, there's a lot of good songs that I'd say when people play. Not really – I mean, I like Russ. I like uh, – um, let's see. Um, but all my music's country, so. <laughs> oh, give me a country really song, man. Give me a country song, Oh, country man. song? Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. So, Paint Me a Birmingham is a really good, uh, I like that song, and one of my other favorite songs, especially recently, is called Damn Good Goodbye okay. by Mike Ryan. Okay. Those those two songs I'd highly recommend, but if you're not too big into some actual country music, then I wouldn't really listen to those two songs. I, I I like country. I like it. Usually I listen to it a little bit more during the summer. My dad's a big country guy. For so, he, I yeah. don't know how that happened. Like four years ago, he kind of got into like this country phase and he hasn't left it yet. <laughs> um, I don't blame him. Um, but are you kind of like, have you been to like Nashville? Or are you kind of like a guy that wants to I've go been to like, these I've been to Nashville a couple, oh, one time actually. I haven't actually went to Nashville that much. Nashville is awesome. Nice. Um, and I'll let you go with this, uh, back to lacrosse. What does the sport mean to you personally? Um, well, the game of lacrosse has given me a lot, you know, it's, I'm looking forward to giving back. So before I actually, I didn't play lacrosse really until about eighth grade. I, I played a little bit sixth and seventh with my older brothers, my friend, like I said, Turner, um, played a little bit, but I was a baseball guy. I played when I was eight years old. I mean, until eight, until eighth grade. And then. My older brother and little brother convinced me to play lacrosse, and, you know, I always thought I was going to try to go to college for football. I always wanted to go for a sport, and, you know, that didn't turn out too well, so I'm really glad lacrosse was, you know, there for me, and I, I fell in love with it right when I, you know, made the team in eighth grade, and my older brother and little brother just helped me out, you know, with little skills, because uh, I wasn't a face-off guy until probably sophomore year, until I just took that upon myself, um, but... The game means so much to me. It's brought so much joy to my life. It's uh, it's really just been awesome to know, like, you know, I have such a group, great group of friends now. You know, these 45 kids on this team right now, my friends for life. The 40 other kids on my high school team, your friends for life. So, um, you know, the coaches, like, fathers to me. So I think, you know, the game has given me a lot, and I look forward to giving back. So you mentioned you were a baseball guy when you start when you were growing up. I'm guessing you were were you yeah. a big Chipper Jones guy? I like Chipper Jones, yeah. But actually, some my family's a big New York Yankee fan. They're from New York. <sighs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm <laughs> so I, I loved uh, Derek Jeter. That was my favorite player growing up. Derek Jeter. Of course. Of course. Of course. The front runners love the best player. That's not surprising. <laughs> um Yeah. So we'll let you go. You got some more uh, breakfast burritos and hash browns to eat anyways. Uh, you've got Denver. You're going to be in John Denver's favorite city, Denver, coming up this weekend, yeah. Air Force in Denver. And then, yes, you know, you've got March and April. And after that, third year done, man. It's scary yep. that you're going to uh-huh. be a senior after it this. It is. It went quick. Enjoy Real it. Real quick. Enjoy it because I just yeah, graduated I last year. It's it's Once you get to adulthood, it's it's not fun anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, I all right, I'm Danny Tesler. every moment right now. Yeah, Danny Tesler, Cleveland State. Appreciate the uh, the call and uh, look forward to seeing you play. Thank you for having me on. And that was Cleveland State junior Fogo, Danny Tesler. Great interview, and I hope you uh, send in some questions. I don't know who we're going to have next week. Uh, send them with hashtag across college across. I'll post them on my Twitter at CF Dostremski when we find out who we're doing next week. But I have a few ideas. And if you have any ideas as well, if any good stories, send them my way. I'd love to talk to these people and get their stories. And even it could be a you know, a big school, it could be a little school, whatever. There's plenty of stories. They just need to be told. So with that, we'll move on to just a quick weekend preview. We'll start off with Reverse Survivor Watch. And there are a ton of teams here in Reverse Survivor. We started with 25. A few of them actually got out of it on Tuesday. Drexel with that double overtime win over Michigan. Furman beating Canisius also on Tuesday. Holy Cross did a really good game. They played really well against UMass Lowell for three quarters. UMass Lowell kind of got the scoring edge in the fourth, but it was kind of over at the at the end of the third quarter. Crusaders, led by Peter Burke, uh, interim head coach. Maybe you take off the interim tag at the, at the end of the season, depending on how they are. But uh, we could add another team if Cornell loses to Hobart on Friday. But currently, since they are winless, we are not adding them to Reverse Survivor. They might they might be a late addition come Friday night, but I doubt they are. As for the current Reverse Survivor contestants, I believe there's 22 of them now. Albany plays Drexel. At Drexel on Saturday, Bellerman takes on Robert Morris. And that is a reverse survivor off because Robert Morris is also winless on the season. They are 0-2, tough losses against Penn State and Georgetown. So some of these are some of these are teams that had tough losses. The other ones are just, you know, they're they're the usual people. Binghamton 0-1. They are at Lafayette, who's 3-1 on the year. On Saturday, Dartmouth is at Bryant on the 23rd. Uh, Drexel's already out, but we mentioned they play Albany on Saturday. Fairfield is at Sacred Heart. Some news there. Colin Burke per LSN is on the transfer portal. I have heard from a few people that he is actually was suspended indefinitely, but it didn't, and he was still on the roster as of, I believe... Last week, when I was checking up to see why uh, he didn't play, also of note, I didn't see this anywhere. Ryland Reese for Stony Brook, who we'll get to in a little bit, he didn't play for uh, the Seawolves against Penn State. Maybe it's still that injury that he suffered in the fall or summer on the world world, world games. We'll check that out. 
Hartford is at Canisius on Saturday. They're 0-1, also 0-1, and a reverse survivor off. Harvard is hosting UMass. Uh, Jacksonville is hosting Michigan on the 24th of Sunday. They are 0-3. The Dolphins are 0-3. That is the Moe's Faceoff Classic. That is on a uh, that will be on CBS Sports Network, by the way. Johns Hopkins is 0-2, a surprising 0-2. Losses to uh, Loyola last week. We know that. They also lost a thousand in the season opener. North Carolina is undefeated. This will probably be their first big test of the year, and Hopkins usually does well in Chapel Hill, or they did two years ago when they were there. Marist 0-1, now 0-2 with the loss to Army. They are at Hartford next Tuesday, so they are off this weekend, but that could be, depending on how Hartford does against Canisius, that could be a reverse survivor off there. Mercer's 0-3, they are off this week, but they are back in action against Cleveland State on the 2nd of March. Monmouth is 0-1. They're at Delaware. Mount St. Mary's is at UMBC and reverse survivor off. Mount St. Mary's is 0-2. UMBC is 0-2 with the loss to Richmond on Tuesday. NGIT 0-3. They are at 1-0 VMI on Saturday. VMI with the 11-10 win over Manhattan. So VMI, usually in this competition, out of it. NGIT, I'm surprised they're still in it, but this could be the game where they get out of it. I hope they do. Penn 0-1, tough loss to Maryland on Saturday. They are at Duke on Saturday. Next week, they're at Penn State. They could be in it for a long time just because of the competition they play. Uh, but Mike Murphy likes that kind of co- tough competition. Helps the RPI. If they, can get a, if they can get a win, and they look like they could possibly get a win over Maryland, could maybe play that same against Duke and Penn State. It could be interesting. And it could be interesting once again with the tournament in May, but we are still a very long ways away. Quinnipiac 0-2. They are at Vermont on Saturday. Mentioned Robert Morris is 0-2. They're hosting Bellarmine and a reverse survivor off. Siena's 0-1. They are at UMass Lowell. Stony Brook, and I just previously mentioned Ryland Reese's situation. They are 0-1. They are at Brown on Saturday. UMass is 0-2, and I previously mentioned Harvard. That's where they're at. Uh, UMBC, and I mentioned again Mount St. Mary's on the 23rd. And then Yale, they are hosting Penn State. 0-1. The Bulldogs are. Following that, it could be reverse survivor off with UMass next Saturday. But that could be a... Yale-Penn State not only could be a very good game in terms of if Yale could get off reverse survivor, probably one of the best games of the week. Could have been number one against number two or three. Probably number three. Now it's number two against number six. Still a good top ten matchup and still one with great attackmen, Grant Amet. Mac O'Keefe, Jackson Morrow, Mac Altet. Kind of great defenses, mainly on Yale's side. Chris Fake and Jack Starr in goal. You have Chris Sabia on D, and you have Colby Kniece in goal. Also, the faceoffs, and that might be a big thing to watch for some. You have TD Ireland for Yale going against Gerard Arceric for Penn State. Probably the two best Fogos in the country with Trevor Baptiste gone. Alex Woodall might want to have a say in that. Very good matchup down in New Haven. If you go, definitely go to that. I might go, but I think I have work then, so I probably won't be able to go. 
And as for the other games on Saturday, Dartmouth Bryan at 11, uh, Monmouth Delaware, Albany Drexel, Towson Georgetown could be an interesting, intriguing matchup. Towson's good. Georgetown is also good. I believe both both teams are ranked, so that's a sneaky good matchup that not a lot of people have discussed. Binghamton Lafayette, St. John's at High Point, the undefeated Panthers. St. John's has looked good. Lost to Rutgers two weeks ago, but they they blew the doors open against Hartford. Would it be surprised if St. John pulls off the upset? Maryland Navy at noon, up North Carolina, as we mentioned. Bucknell, Ohio State, a good matchup there in Columbus. Virginia, Princeton at noon. Virginia needs to win Princeton. Very first big test. They kind of played the Cavaliers well last year in Charlottesville. Could it be an upset for the Tigers? Notre Dame at Richmond at noon on ESPN+. Richmond, a sneaky good team in the SoCon. A lot of now... I had, I think, I had Jacksonville actually win in the SoCon, but Richmond is also a very talented team. They won the SoCon last year. Now kind of got overshadowed with High Point coming into the picture. And Notre Dame kind of had a pretty good game against an okay Detroit Mercy team. Five goals from Brian Costabile. Bellarmine, Robert Morris at noon. Quinnipiac, Vermont. Hofstra, Villanova at noon. Nice chrome helmets for the Wildcats, debuting for their home opener. NGITV and my Cleveland State Air Force at 1 o'clock. In Denver, Stony Brook Brown at 1. UMass Harvard at 1. St. Bonaventure back after a week's off. They are beginning MAC play as they are at Manhattan at 1 o'clock. I believe that's the first conference game of the season for any conference. Detroit Mercy Marquette at 1. Fairfield Sacred Heart in a Connecticut battle at 1. Providence St. Joe's at 1. Mentioned Penn State at Yale, also at 1 on ESPN+. Plus. 2 o'clock game, Loyola is at Rutgers. Good matchup there, 2 o'clock on BTN. Siena, UMass, Lola 2. Penn at Duke at 3 on ACC Network Extra. Utah at Denver following Cleveland State Air Force. That game's at 3.30 Eastern Time. Mount St. Mary's at UMBC at 4. Hartford, Canisius at 5. And then Sunday, there are a... A good amount of games. Five, I believe, in all. Utah Air Force, 2 o'clock. Hampton Furman. Hampton getting their fourth season started underway against the Paladins at 2 on ESPN 3. Furman's usually an ESPN Plus team, but I guess with Hampton it might be might be a little different. Cleveland State Denver at 3.30. Uh, the, probably the highlight on Sunday, Army West Point Syracuse at 4, but also the Big Red right back in action two days two games in three days hosting Cornet, uh hosting Lehigh at 1 p.m. on ESPN plus uh and then Tuesday games if we care which we probably will because we and Wednesday now St. Joe's Delaware at two Marist Hartford at three Wagner Monmouth at three Georgetown Mountain St. Mary's at three Hobart Can- uh, Hobart Colgate at four Harvard Holy Cross at 405 Bryant BU at 7, and then the Long Island rivalry renews Stony Brook at Hofstra at 7. And then Wednesday, the, probably the biggest midweek game of the year so far, maybe of the season, Loyola at Towson, 6 p.m. LSN. And that is your games for the week. Uh, Lax Vegas lines, I'll just go off the Lax, Lax Vegas lines picks. 
uh, for the weekend games. Start off with Cornell as a four-goal favorite over Hobart. Over-unders 22.5. First of all, hammer the over on 22.5 with these two teams. I do like Cornell. Um, I'm going to go Cornell minus... Ah, uh, Cornell plus four. Actually, sorry, Hobart plus four. I think it'll be a three-goal game, high-scoring. Cornell might be a little rusty to start. Hobart will take advantage of that, but in the end, the Big Red will take the win. But I wouldn't be surprised with an upset there. Carolina is a two-and-a-half-goal favorite over Hopkins. I'm going to go Johns Hopkins on this one. Hopkins plus two-and-a-half. The Blue Jays, I think, find a way to bounce back. And we see a little bit more of Carolina's flaws. Ohio State's a two-and-a-half-goal favorite over Bucknell. I like them minus two-and-a-half. I like, I like Princeton plus one over Virginia. Uh, they might have some problems on with the Cavaliers. Princeton's offense, we'll see how they look, but they looked phenomenal. Michael Sowers needs to carry this team along with the other guys and the defense. Uh, Maryland is a two and a half goal favorite over Navy. I'm going to go Navy plus two and a half. I do like Maryland to win, but Navy will cover. Towson is a one and a half goal favorite over Georgetown. I like Towson minus one and a half. It'll be a close game for sure, but I think they 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 just edged the Hoyas by like two or three. Villanova is a two goal favorite over Hofstra. Give me the Wildcats minus two. I'll take High Point minus one and a half. Uh, yeah, I'll take High Point minus one and a half over St. John's, and I'm gonna hammer the over twenty three and a half goals in this game. Notre Dame is a minus three goal favorite over Richmond. I'm going to take that minus three. Penn State's a one goal favorite over Yale. Yeah, I'll go Penn State minus one. Loyola's a four goal, four goal favorite over Rutgers. Give me Loyola minus four. Duke is a three goal favorite over Penn. Give me them minus three. Give me the Blue Devils minus three. Also give me ooh, Denver. It's an eight goal favorite over Utah. Denver's good. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take Denver minus eight. And then the Sunday games, uh, give me give me Lehigh plus, f- uh, I want to say Lehigh plus four because it might be tough for them for a short rest. I'm going to go to Cornell minus four. Cornell minus four. Give me Cleveland State plus five and a half over Denver. And then give me, give me Army minus one. And with that, those are your Lax Vegas Lions picks. Follow them at Lax Vegas Lions and have a little bit of fun with the faux betting for college lacrosse. Next week, we'll have another guest, I hope, and another podcast. And I hope you enjoyed this one. I, I sincerely do. I'm trying to do a little bit more different. I want to do recap the the week that was and preview a little bit of the weekend. Still maybe feeling my myself a little bit there. But the main thing is, tell the story. And I hope you enjoyed the story with Danny Tesler. And I thank Danny for coming on. I thank Cleveland State for giving me the chance to talk to Danny. And I thank you, the listener, for listening. And with that, we'll bid adieu until next week. This is the podcast. I am the host, and you, you are the best.